Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. everyone, Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I am super excited because today as my guest, I've got Megan Dahl. She helps her clients fall in love with their numbers by creating meaningful tools for them to get beyond the barely useful financial statements and see what the future holds and how to achieve their goals. With a master's degree in accounting and over 18 years in the accounting industry, Megan became frustrated with the jargon and gatekeeping in the accounting industry that works against business owners getting the information that will help them most to grow and thrive. By narrowing in on the information that is insightful and translating it into easy-to-understand and fun-to-use models, I love some fun in accounting, Megan is changing the way small business owners interact with their numbers. Are we ready? It's that time of year. January, February, tax season. Yes, yes. We get all the all the little boxes checked and all the pieces of paper together in the right spots. Yep, absolutely. One of the things I was struck by was you said your money needs a job and board money is wasted money. How fun is this? This sounds nothing like P&L, income statement, cash flow analysis. Yawn, yawn, yawn. Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. So like the reason that accounting can feel so oppressive for business owners is because the information that the bookkeeper gathers and that the tax professional, it's not for you. It's not for the business owner. It is for compliance. It's so the government knows how much to charge you, that you're following all the right rules. Because everything that leads up to the today If we're on a timeline, all of that information, everything that's happened that leads up to today is not surprising. So when small business owners, especially small business owners, open up their income statement, there's nothing surprising there, nothing that is earth shattering that is going to change the trajectory of your business. Same with the balance sheet. Like an income statement is not useful unless you have departments that you want to monitor. How are they doing? How are they doing with the things? Is it profitable for these different departments, how they're working together? And all of that information stops as of today. It doesn't go any farther. And therefore, all of the anxiety that business owners experience, are it's out here in the future. 
they're not telling you these, the, the bookkeepers and your tax person, they're not telling you anything that is going to happen beyond today. And this is the world that if we can get it pinned down, if we can get you some models that let you see what your bank balance is going to be, let you see where the bumps are going to be so we can plan around them, that's what lets you sleep at night. So that sounds kind of like forecasting. It is forecasting. Let me pull out an old business school world word from a really long time ago. Interesting. So wouldn't we say, though, that in order to forecast, we got to look at the past to understand? Absolutely. It's useful in forming that forecast. But the sin is in that is expecting this to paint that picture for you without any input right? There are certain rocks that we want to look under. Like once we can see a forecast of, okay, we're just going to take the past and pull it all forward and just pretend everything is going to be identical. Well, what about if I want to hire somebody? How do we put that into account? What if, what if my, my pricing is off? What if I don't want it to just to be a continuation of what's been going on in my business for the past three years? What if I want to change something? Right. Then what? what if I have a great profit? What if I'm going to have a month that's short? What do I do? What can we do? That's when the strategy begins of what can right. we do to accelerate money in or slow down the money out or, Ooh, we've got a lot of cash. Now, what do we do with it? Like maybe it's time to give yourself a raise. Maybe it's time to give yourself a bonus, or maybe it's time to invest in something else in your business. So it's a lot. It's like the most fun comes here when we get to play what if or how to and all of these other questions and have really fun conversations about what our ideals are. That's so interesting to me because I think in the what if, one of the things that entrepreneurs, at least the ones that I'm working with when I'm coaching with them, the last person they pay is themselves. And even though I've done the whole Michael McCallowitz, profit first, et cetera, I have gotten slipped back into that habit of paying myself last. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, where'd my money go? I didn't pay myself. And now it went out to XYZ course or to hire another person or whatnot. So forecasting ahead like that and really thinking about paying yourself is huge for small business owners. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of profit first, and it works really well for about a third of business owners. There's a certain mentality that comes with it. But if you're like me and you start playing little mind games with yourself, well, if I just do this thing and swish around here and here, like it, it erodes. The effective, effectiveness of the profit first can quickly erode if you start playing games with it. Right. So if we have like a plan for the cash, not just what is coming into the income account and getting dispersed out, but like, oh, I see that in June, it's going to be a really good June. What am I going to do with that cash? Make that decision now and start thinking about it now. Because if you get to that point, you have that cash inflow. The thing that is right in front of you is what's going to get the money at the time. Right. Yeah. So we want to have a plan for it before it ever even comes in the door. We want to know exactly what we are going to be using it for. So we don't go blow it on that Mustang when in reality, what you would need to, you know, is a new furnace, which is a really boring example, but but (laughs) life. (laughs) Right. Right. But having a plan for that cash of what to do with it. And the other side of that is that it can keep you that plan disciplined on goals because many times I can't count how many times I've been told like, I have this goal, like in three years, we're going to X, Y, and Z. I have a BHAG, right? The big, hairy, audacious goal. 
the money's not going to magically appear at the end of those three years. It's not going to magically appear at the end of the deadline. What are you doing to protect the progress along the way? And that's part of your money having a job. That's the progress that you're protecting. That's the protection. It's the safety blanket. It might be sitting there, but it has a job to do already. And we're not going to go spend it on the shiny object because we have that plan in place. It was funny. Um, we have a beach rental home. We had a good year last year. And because it's only our fourth season, we're still not completely clear how we're going to do each year, how much we should be spending, where we should be doing things, et cetera. And that's fine. It's a learning curve and we're getting there. But I got to the end of the year and I said, wow, I think we've made a lot more money than I expected. And I need to like sock some money away. And it dawned on me, what's one of my long-term goals? Well, I'm 56, retirement. And I'm years as an entrepreneur and not putting away the kind of money someone who would, who say is putting it away for social security or 401k because I kind of don't have to, right? Because I'm reinvesting in the business or whatnot. So I said, I called up my financial advisor and I said, how much money can I put in a SEP or an IRA or a 401k or whatever the equivalent is for a person who is an entrepreneur? And I have one set up with her already. And she said, you can put up to $7,000 a year. You've never seen someone write a check so fast. I was like, that's perfect. I could put that money away. And okay, it's only $7,000. That's $7,000 more I put away than I did the year before, the year before that, right? Right. I think um, even I'm 42. And that's kind of a habit that I see like next year, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to make more money. And it always happens. I make more money. Right. But if I didn't have that plan of I'm going to put some bit away, I'm going to expect next year to fund my retirement. And the year after that, right. I'll fund it. It's interesting because people have like, I have a six figure goal. Right. They get to six figures and it's not exactly what they envisioned six figures to be back when they were only making five figures. And right. they're like, oh, well, I better be making, you know, three times that in order to do X, Y, or Z. Well, things erode because it comes slowly. Right. The gap between where we are now and our vision, it's a journey on the way there. And we need to treat it as if this vision is precious. Yeah. Plan for it. Absolutely. And the other thing I look at, continuing with that, with the vision is how much would I have saved if I put seven, so 56, 7,000 a year for the next 10 years, $70,000. That's a, that's not a small amount of money. Yeah. And interest on top of that, right? The sooner you start right. saving, the more interest you can accrue on that while it's waiting for you in retirement. There you go. And you have to try to not like say, oh, I wish I'd been doing this for the last 10 years. You have to kind of like, okay, <laughs> deep breath. Self-forgiveness. Like, start today. Huge. Yes. Self-forgiveness. <laughs> start today with a new plan and a new way of doing things. And, you know, and in fairness, we've been in our child raising years. They are expensive. Yeah, uh, our child is now 16, getting ready to launch her off to college. And she's even more expensive now. <laughs> but well, you know, that's because she just got the car and all those kinds of things. Right. But really getting this mindset of I can start today and what baby step can I start today will really help us for our future. Absolutely. Yes. And the baby step that I consider for every one of my clients is mapping out your cash. Like have that map, have that plan. It doesn't mean that we're even executing it quite yet. I just want you to get used to the idea of every dime has a job once it gets in. Ooh, I like that very much. I 
was just making a major decision the other day and I was talking to a girlfriend about it. And I said, I think I'm going to rejoin XYZ Association. And I said, even though I really barely used it last year. And she started to laugh and she said, I barely used it last year too. And I'm not rejoining it. I said, oh, neither am I. Done. <laughs> well, that was $400. Yeah. So, and then there are two stories there, store two lessons there. Lesson one, as a small business owner, if you're working for yourself, you got to have someone to talk to about these things, to have someone to bounce off of and say, I'm thinking about doing this now. Oh, yeah. You know, I would have just, without even thinking, clicked the button. Well, where, where could that $400 be going? Somewhere better spent, right? So that's lesson two. Like, all right, if I set that 400 aside and I don't spend it right now on this object that I may or may not use, I have another membership that comes up in March. And I think that's $600 and I'm not leaving that membership. I definitely use it. It's amazing. Well, guess what? I now have $400 the 600 are already put away, right? Nice. Because I've already done it. I've already allocated that 400. Now I know I can just allocate it to that future future me in March when I know I'm going to hit definitely yes, because that's a membership I use all the time. So I think in 2021, one of the big things I did was I took a look at my entire business and I started analyzing where's my money going and is it the best place to go? You know, before I just hit the button to renew, am I really using that? that really going to happen? Should I let that go? And the most recent one I let go was Thinkific, which costs about $50 a month to run a program on it. Do you know about Thinkific? Yep. So Thinkific, just for the purpose of the listeners, is um, like Teachable. It's one of these places where you can put your course and you pay for the privilege to do that. And it's really nice. And I used it for about a year and I realized I'm not making $50 a month from putting my courses on there. Could I find a way that was less money to get this content out to my clients that would be just as user-friendly, not as pretty looking. Gotta say the new thing I'm using now is not as pretty looking, but what I'm doing now costs about $25 a month. $25 a month over the course of 12 months is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I spend always, somewhere else. Right. Right. I like, I like to be on the lookout for how can I do this better without impacting like the effect that my clients get. Right. Right. Even if it's not as pretty, the information is still the same. It's still super valuable and super useful to them. You might just not have the logo in the right spot or with the right color. Right. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So when you go back and review that many times, my clients have a hard, like they're hard on themselves. There's a lot of tears sometimes. And part of how I work with them is just to get past that, like get past, forgive yourself. There's an amount of forgiveness that goes there. What is the conversation you have with yourself when you come across an expense? Like, Oh, I spent thousand dollars on that. I think it really depends. The older I get, the less I beat myself up over it. Like I'm very proud. Even before the think of expenditure, I had figured out how to save $200 a month in my business. And that's something to be proud of. Right. Was that where I started? No, I definitely started with, oh, I can't believe I was wasting money on that year after year or whatever it was. And, but I thought, again, you can only start with what you're doing today. And we look back to learn for the future. I think that's kind of how I look at life. Yes. Identifying your, your past patterns is huge. And I'm probably 
just as bad as everybody else when it comes to this type of thing. Like, oh, this little networking program, this networking thing where we're going to go out and do whatever it is, whether it's on Zoom or live or whatever it is, forgetting that I clam up when it comes to networking. Like I'll show up at an event and I'll just kind of sit in the corner with my drink and be like, these are all strangers. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. And then like, okay, I'm just going to uh, Irish goodbye. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I belong to exactly one networking group that I love. It's on Zoom. It's fantastic. I'm so glad I do it. I don't belong to any other networking groups. Tempting though it is, I'm just like, I have one. One is enough. And I mean, and I pay for it. It's not cheap, the networking group I belong to. And then I help people. Oh, you have to come and try my networking group. I'm like, mm, I think I'm good. Used to be I would, and then I would pay. And then out next thing you know, you have five networking groups. When do you have time? Oh, right. Yeah. You, you know, time is money, right? Right. If you were ever to like line up all of the things that you've invested in, right? All the programs that you're supposed to be in the middle of, all of the things, like how many of them are you actually using to 100%? Probably none of them to 100%. How right. many are you actually using to 80%? Right. Probably 20% of them you're using to 80% of the way. Anything that you're not using up to 80%, those things gone. Can go. And it does, it does make a difference. Yeah. You don't need to torture yourself with the, oh, I should. I should really use that. Well, you're not. So let's play with your strengths. Let's play to your strengths of what, what you are utilizing, what, what you are good at. I know that. Social media marketing is never going to be my thing. I cannot bring myself to sit down and make those posts. That's not where my strengths lie. That's not what's going to excite me. So then I do follow. What are my strengths? What can I do? That's going to be really narrowed down on focus where my money is being spent and my time. Mm -hmm. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Social media, great story about this. (laughs) I was using later or something and paying for it. And then I took a social media break. I just was burned out. I was done. I had so many things on my plate. I've been in coaching school. I just had a lot of other things going on. And it wasn't about money. It was about time. And so I just stepped all the way back to the Hootsuite, three free social media accounts and used that when I felt like it. They switched to only one. And I had been looking at investing in Recurpost, which is more money than either one of those others. But here's what I did. You'll love this. I belong to AppSumo, which costs nothing. You just get the emails from AppSumo and it lets you know when there's new apps. And so there was this great new app called post to plan And it just did not work for me. I bought the highest package because I knew I would want all the bells and whistles and everything else. And my assistant and I used it for about a week. And I hated it. It is a great plan for other people, not me. I want to make that very clear because I don't want to diss somebody's app or somebody's product. It just didn't work for what we were looking for. And what I really needed was for Curpost. So new me in Moneyland said, that's been less than 30 days. 
I'm going to go to AppSumo and see if I can get a refund instead of what I've done in the past, which was, oh, that's my fault. That's my problem. I'm not going to ask for a refund. I did. I went, I was very nice. I said exactly what I just said now. I'm sure it's an excellent plan for other people. It doesn't meet my needs. I'm just curious. It's been less than 30 days. I can just tell we're not going to use this. Can I get a refund? I got a refund. For you? And, and, I, and I'm not the person who jumps to go get refunds. It's just not how I roll. But in this instance, I was just like, this just doesn't make sense. Three months from now, I'm going to be sitting here saying, why did I spend the money on this? And why didn't I think to ask for a refund? So sometimes getting, it makes sense. Yeah. Getting money back is not like a default where people, where your mind goes a lot of the time, right? That's why rebates work. That's why, you know, people offer rebates because not enough people are like, oh, there's money out there that I can go get. Right. People are more apt to save money. Like they want a discount on something, then go get money. That's just out there waiting for them. Great point. Never thought about that. Great point. And of course, you know, the rebate probably costs them nothing. <laughs> Right. Right. Because why bother to go get it? Exactly. And yet we do. My husband's great about that stuff. So that's a helpful thing for us, but not for everybody. The other thing that's been a very big mindset shift for me, and it really happened after I saw I had cancer in 2015, 2016. And yes, I'm fine. Was I started purchasing insurance for a lot of things. So um, airline insurance, travel insurance, insurance on goods. I I really was totally anti all those kinds of insurances. (laughs) But once you're cancer, you're kind of like, oh, anything could happen at any time and anything could go wrong. And not long after this all went down, I had gotten the insurance for um, a train trip and my aunt had gotten ill and I needed to leave a day earlier to get down there to be with her. And I contacted, it was on Amtrak and I had, you know, their little $9, $10. It's very inexpensive to get some insurance for the train trip. And she's like, we don't even have to use the insurance. It's good that you had it, but I can tell you, I can get you another trip. She got me all rebooked and everything else. But there are times where travel insurance is just a no-brainer. You, you, you know, too many things come up. And now we're in this pandemic and we have multiple trips and things that got canceled on us. That it's Some things we've flat out lost money because there was yeah. no way to get insurance for those things. But there are a lot of places we didn't lose money because we had the insurance. You know, this brings up the thing where people come to me and they expect me to say that if this expense isn't bringing you money, it needs to be cut. Actually, there are two ways that I love to spend money. One of them is to make more money. And the second one is for peace of mind. Right. Right. So when it comes to things like trip that you don't know if you're going to be able to take or not, is it going to help you sleep at night to spend that extra $9 to know that you can get a refund? If you're spending, sure, maybe you're only spending a week, an hour a week doing your books, but you're spending another seven hours fretting about doing your own books, maybe it's time to hire a bookkeeper. No, they're not going to make you money, but they're going to give you your peace of mind back. So about the bookkeeper, this is another fun story. (laughs) I had my dad, when I started my business like 10, however many years ago, had said, I'm going to send you to bookkeeping school. I'm going to send you to QuickBooks school. And it was a long weekend, very intense, down in this basement room in the dead of summer. It was hot. It was miserable. They couldn't get it cooled down enough for us. I mean, it was just nuts. And I take this entire class and, you know, my dad gifts it to me. And it was like a $400 class. So it was a pretty big deal. And he says to me, I want to know what you learned. And I said, 
I know exactly what I learned, dad. I learned I'm going to hire a bookkeeper. And he (laughs) was undone. You know, here's the man who's great at numbers, who've been doing his own books for years. Now I have an MBA. I've taken accounting. I know how to read a cash flow statement. I know how to put together an income statement and a PL and all these other things. But if you think I want to be the person who's inputting each and every receipt and making sure it's all right and coded right, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a whole, so much money fear, so much numbers fear that comes along with it. I'm going to do it wrong. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to miss something. The stress that comes along with it can be extremely oppressive, which is unfortunate because, you know, you're starting trying to start up your business. Your business has been going, might not feel like there's room to hire a bookkeeper and that you have to do it all on your own and feeling like you have to know, have all this extra knowledge, all of the accounting, blah, 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 that comes with it can be intimidating for sure. Absolutely. Which is why there are people like you who can help business owners yeah. do their yes. books because it's just not, it's not everybody's superpower by any stretch. Right. But there is a certain amount that you do need to know. Like as the business owner, you need to know what to look for, right? I can't count how many times I've looked at a set of books and there's like $40,000 worth of an accrued liability sitting in your, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. And you ask, what's this? And like, I don't know. <laughs> There's a certain yeah. amount of like, they have a bookkeeper. The bookkeeper is the one doing it. And so it's, there's a certain amount of knowledge that you need to know, even to have a bookkeeper. When you hire admin, you know what work they're working on and the outcome that you're looking for. Same with the bookkeeper. You need to know what outcome you're looking for. And you need to vet people. We didn't really talk about this, but we need to know who you're hiring and be aware. I have heard of people, not saying about your firm at all, but they are out there who will skim money. Got to be really careful about who we hire to touch our money. So partner with two. Have yet. <laughs> Things get weird around money. I got my start when somebody came to me and said, I think my partner's stealing and they were short $400,000. Oh boy. Yeah. 400000 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen small businesses can really get into a lot of trouble if they're not really very clear on who's working with them and what they're doing. So, yes. you know, if you're if you're bringing a bookkeeper in either into your home or virtual or whatever, you got to be paying attention when they're doing things because, you know, you're putting a lot of trust in another person. Same with hiring an assistant. I mean, I know people whose assistants are the ones doing, you know, putting the stuff in for the bookkeeper. Yeah, got to keep an eye on the pot. Yep. Know what to look for. Know enough to know what to look for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So as we're winding down here, what is your number one productivity strategy for getting whatever it is done? I have to trick myself into just doing one little thing. Like if I have a big project in front of me, I did it this weekend. Like I, I had some drywall I needed to finish hanging for a pantry that I was building. I was like, Megan, just go measure the spot that you need and see if you have enough drywall out in the garage for it. And then four hours later, I had it hung. Same thing with if I'm working on a big client project, like there's a big mess to clean up. Hey, why, Megan, you were curious about that. This is the story I'm telling myself in my head. You were curious about that one transaction. Why don't you just go dig and find what that one thing is? And then the dominoes all fall after that. So I just need to get myself curious. And then it, it goes, it flows. 
curious is a great word. If we can all be a little more curious about things, <laughs> we'd all get a lot more done. Although I will see my clients come and they have too many things. and I, you know, So sometimes that baby step method is really the only way. It's often the only way I get things done. Yeah. And I was telling you that before we, before we officially got on air, which was, I said like, the whole tax thing has been such a nightmare for me. I've learned like I do one little thing today and another little thing tomorrow. And I don't start the little things on April 14th. I start them. What is this? We're recording in late January. This is coming out in mid-February. I've already started in early, early to mid-January. I started working on all this and just doing one more little step each day to get it done so it doesn't feel so onerous. That's not how everybody likes to work. Some people are like, I'm going to do it all in one day and they're going to crank it out. And God bless those people. They're not me. Let me give you an example. One particular client comes to mind, but the story often repeats itself through many clients that I've worked with. I want to begin with just telling you like the question that people have that they don't know that they have is, am I going to be okay? And up to this point, they've tried to rely on like their bookkeeper, their accountant, or to just tell them like, am I okay? Take a look at my financial statements and tell me if I'm okay. The problem with that is that it only answers the question up to today, up to the point where you have your historical financial data all in QuickBooks or in Zero or an Excel sheet or wherever it may be. But in order to answer the question, am I okay? We have to look into the future and that's past today. And that's past the comfort zone of bookkeepers and tax accountants and really CPAs in general. They don't get their gold star for being able to tell the future because it's still unknown. But there are certain clues that we have that in rocks we can look under to help answer that question of, am I going to be okay? And so really, this is the main question that I have been asking or answering for my clients over the last, oh gosh, 18 years now. And over the last five, I've really honed in on how to best answer that question. And out of it has come what I call my vivid cash calendar. So this is actually the tool that I use with all of my clients because it's the one that gives them the, the aha moments. Am I going to be okay? And so this one particular client, she came to me and she had $400,000 in the bank. And she's had $400,000 in the bank for at least the last three or four years, right? And she's been paying herself like $30,000. She was paying her two employees like twice that amount. They've been paid fifty dollars and $60,000 in their salaries over the last couple of years. And she has not been able to mentally take that step of paying her her own worth when re- in reality she could pay herself $100,000 a year but she couldn't answer the question of am i going to be okay she couldn't see how all of these different moving pieces and the different decisions that were being made in her business how it was going to work out in the future and so what we do is that we map out all of the rocks, all of the missing pieces, all of the different levers that you can pull. We mapped out what projects she had coming up, what projects were signed on the dotted line that she hadn't done the work for, what has not been collected, like where are all of the sources of cash coming from, and then where are all of the sources of cash where the cash is going out. And then we take the, like, that's one piece of information. That's great to know how it's going to work out for the business, but then let's take it one step farther. The Next step is like, how does this work for me and my family? How does this work for my goals? That BHAG that I have hanging out there for the next three years of these things I want to accomplish, how does all of this work out 
what is the cash going to look like? How is it going to be used? How is it going to come in to answer that question of, am I going to be okay? And so once we did that, once, once my clients can see where is it coming from? Where is it going? How do I protect my goals? That's where they get the sense of relief of, I can see the future. I can see how this is going to work out. I can see where the, like, the mistakes might be made. And that's where we finally, finally get to answer that question of, am I going to be okay? Because I'll tell you what, your financial statements aren't going to do it. Your income statement's not going to give you that answer. Your balance sheet isn't going to give you that answer. It's going to be knowing how to look into the future and see the moving pieces of your business and how it all works out in the end for you personal, to give you and your family safety, to give your employees safety. That's really the question people are asking. And that's what the cash calendar does. And so I've been working on this cash calendar with my clients. I've honed it over the last five, six years working with my clients. And now I'm finally able to, I've gotten it to a point where I can say like, okay, this is solid enough. The system behind it has been worked out so many times, hundreds of times over the last six to seven years that it is in a format that people can use on their own. They don't need an accountant background. They don't need to even have their books in order. They don't have to have everything in QuickBooks. They don't need a bookkeeper. They don't need a CPA. They just need the guidance on how to find all of those moving pieces and make sure that you're not missing anything so they can map this out for themselves. How can people find you, Megan? Come on over to megandolly.com, M-E-G-A-N-D-A-H-L-E.com. And I'm um, easy to get a hold of from there. Thank you so much for being on the show, Megan Dolly. That was great. Really appreciate you. Pleasure. This was fun. Thanks, Catherine. Take care. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.